that was that was probably a pivotal moment where I was like, I cannot outgive God in this season. And I just need to be bold and know that He's going to supply our needs. And if we're doing the ideas and the crazy dreams that He's giving us, um, He's not going to leave us out there dry. He's going to fulfill all our needs. And it's like miracle worker season. Welcome to the Missions Pastor Podcast presented by One Child. One Child is a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. We believe that the local church has the message of hope that the world desperately needs to hear. And in every episode, we highlight churches, pastors, and ministries who are working to bring that hope to hard places. I'm David Jesse. I'm your host for today's conversation with Becky Kyle. Becky is the Director of Missions at Christ Fellowship in Florida. And Becky is passionate about seeing Christ Fellowship boldly win the right to share the gospel by meeting people's needs unconditionally. Uh, Christ Fellowship is a very large church with a very large outreach ministry. So I asked Becky how COVID impacted all of the plans and the programs they had in place. Here's what she had to say. Yeah, so obviously for internationally and globally, the the impact was pretty significant in that we couldn't send international teams anymore. We couldn't go visit our partners on the ground, but we did the best we could to stay connected, to make sure that they had what they needed. We sent some extra resourcing when possible, um, but really where we saw the biggest impact locally was really was really locally and um a lot of times you would have thought that with the lockdowns and with what was happening that we would have maybe just stayed inside the walls or we would have said oh no we can't do anything but what we saw was actually that we saw um, exponentially more opportunity than we had previously so for us locally, we were able to just, the doors swung wide open of opportunity and just being able to really impact our region like never before. And so where we used to kind of partner with smaller ministries or do homeless shelters, we were now doing massive food distributions at our parking Mm. lots. And we saw parking lots become prayer altars and Mm. just opportunity to love people where they were at. Um, It was just for me, I always say we got the best end of COVID because <laughs> the people on the missions team got to see God move in so many ways throughout COVID. And we got to love people and care for people. And so we never stopped. We never had a, a day off. We never worked from home. But in that, we got to see so many people just see how much God loves them and cares for them in a season of crisis. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, the the food distributions and things like that that were going on in your in your on your campuses and the opportunities that you had to pray with people during that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I know I, 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 several churches uh, got to be engaged in with that. What are some of the other opportunities that surprised you that came out of COVID while you guys were trying to figure out how to continue to to do missions during this lockdown? Yeah. So we made a decision very early on when COVID happened that we were going to, whatever we were going to do, we were going to be consistent at it. So if we were going to go to a hospital, we were going to go to the same 10 hospitals in our region and we were going to do weekly visits. If we were going to care for the first responders and law enforcement and uh, fire rescue guys, 
we were going to choose however many locations we thought we could be consistent at. And that was what we were going to do. And so um, that was one of the greatest blessings and um, opportunities that we saw because we were consistently coming in contact with the same nurses, the same firemen, the same police officers, the same city workers. So people that were still working, um, we were able to just see them consistently, pray over them consistently. And I can't tell you how many times they were like, you guys just keep coming back. And I was like, yes, we are going to keep coming back because this crisis isn't, you know, we all thought the two weeks to slow the spread turned into a year or however long it depended on whatever state you were in. And I just wanted people to know we were here for the long haul. We weren't here for the beginning. Um, So every week we'd drop off different encouragement verses of encouragement and pray over the hospital or pray over the staff. And so I think that was something that we've seen the benefits of post COVID because we've seen Mm. all of those people that were like, you guys were so consistent. Now we're going to reach out to you and we have a small crisis here. Um, And so that was opportunities that we had. We had cities reaching out to us that we had been working to partnership with for years. Um, We, they saw the value in what we could do. And we've, we've always said, you know, as churches, we are amazing at volunteerism. We are great at hosting volunteers. Uh, We're Mm -hmm. great at hospitality. And Mm -hmm. so I had cities calling me going, you know what to do with people who want to help. Can you guys just organize it and manage it? And we were like, great. And um, what we always said is we're going to be who we are. We're not going to change who we are. So we're going to pray at the beginning. We're going to do huddles. We're going to pray for cars. And I had people, I had organizations that were like, you can't do that here. And we would just continually show up in love. And by the end, they'd be like, do whatever you want. You guys are doing such a phenomenal job. We're not going to stop you. We, we need your manpower. So the opportunities um, that we saw during COVID were just endless. And we're, we're still seeing the fruit of all of that, of the consistency and of just doing things with excellence. We're seeing cities reaching out to us. We're seeing law enforcement reaching out to us. And uh, we've had so many people who are like, we came, we never came to your church, but we came through your parking lot when we needed food. And so you guys were here for us in crisis. And so now they're coming to church and um, meeting Jesus, which is the whole reason that we do everything we do is so that um, we can, you know, share the gospel with people and the love and message of Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, obviously, you know, the gospel still has to go forth, even when yeah. there's the world has essentially uh, shut down. Um, and, and this has changed a lot for you guys um, at your church. And, and you, as you pivoted and realized you talked about it, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve uh, turned into, you know, in some states, two years uh, right. before it got finished. Um, this changed the way that you guys do ministry and, and the way you think about missions. What were some of the big, you know, pivots that you guys made after you realized that this wasn't going to be a short little, yeah. you know, couple of weeks? Yeah. So I would say one of the first pivots we did that was in my opinion, probably one of the best decisions that our leadership made is that we quickly shifted staff resourcing to the missions team. So when we realized we're not going to be opening our doors for a few months, we're going to be closed. Obviously we did what a lot of people did. We did the online and we were putting resources towards that, but then a lot of the other staffing resources were shifted over to the missions team. So 
our missions and outreach team went from a team of six to about a team of a hundred in wow. one week. And, wow. and what that did for us was it, we would have a meeting every Monday morning and we would be like, all right, what are we going to do this week? This, uh, you know, we have these hospitals, we have this law enforcement. Um, and because we had that staff resourcing, we never had to say no to anyone. So mm -hmm. we would plan our week, but then all throughout the day, people would just be calling me. Can you come do this? Do you want it? Can mm -hmm. you help with this? And because I knew I had that resource, I was able to say yes, 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 yes. We'll show up. So every day we would have a plan. And by the end of the day, the rest of the week was shifting to something else. But um, we just, I really just wanted to be a church that says yes. And mm -hmm. so anyone from the community that called for a need, whether we had a relationship with them or not, I, I was like, this is our opportunity to say yes and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. There's so many times as uh, missions pastors that we want to do that. And we're, we are banging down doors. Like <laughs> everyone can attest to, I've called the school seven times. I called right. the city. I had a meeting. They told me they didn't want us. Everybody, we've all had those meetings with um, outside agencies and organizations. And so this was our shot because mm. they were calling me and mm. asking for things. And so we just really said yes. And so that has shifted what we do locally now because we continue to be an organization and a church that says yes to every opportunity that comes but we're having so many more opportunities that are non-Christian organizations, cities, law enforcement that are coming to us, schools that are saying, mm. you showed up for our football team when they didn't have the resources because they didn't have games. And so will you help us with this? And mm. we're, we say, yes, you're going to let us in the school. We're, we're going through that. Um, and then through that relationship, we've been able to do the chaplaincy. We've been able to pray with the the players and it's spread to other teams. And so what's that I think has probably been our biggest shift since COVID is that we now have more non-Christian cities, organizations, agencies reaching out to us saying, will you help us? Not asking us to change who we are, because right. we've never changed who we are. We're always going to pray. We're always going to offer to do everything with excellence and make sure that everybody knows the reason why we're there. Mm. But they saw the value that we brought to them. And that's as believers, as Christians, I think our excellence and we bring so much value, but people didn't realize what we could bring before. And so it's shifted everything we do locally. That's awesome. Now, I can't imagine what that was like, though, within a week going from six people to 100 people as a missions pastor and yeah. going from we're knocking on doors, hoping somebody will say yes to people calling you and and asking for help. What was it like for you going through that process and having to, to shift? You had to have complete different mindset mm -hmm. shift and pivot for yourself, I'm sure. Yeah, it was um, it was complete chaos. I'm not going to lie. The first <laughs> couple of weeks, it was like, because also they're shifting resources, but then it's this person's 20 hours, this person's 32 hours, this person. So it wasn't even, here's all salaried people, work them as long and hard as you can. It right. was, we're managing hours. And so 
um, we, we had what we called the war room and it was <laughs> nine whiteboards of every day we had on a whiteboard. Then we had opportunities that might be coming. Then we had list people literally listed out how many hours they had left and we would put them into which project every single day. Hmm. And, um, there were a couple things that very early on I had been through a few disasters just living mm -hmm. in Florida and doing mm -hmm. some response. And I had learned very early on that we were going to always have, everybody was always going to have off two days in a row because there was no way that we were going to be able to, once I realized it was longer than two weeks, I was like, <laughs> we can't continue this on and press this hard if I don't give people two days off. So everybody consistently had that. Um, and then every single day, we were actually talking about this last night, every single day we ended with a Bob Goff devotional. And it was <laughs> awesome. like, it was like <laughs> that's a good shot in the heart right exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> it was like we no one was going to be able to have enough energy or strength to give a devotional every day. But I knew we needed to hear from the Lord every day. And mm -hmm. so it just kind of started where we would read one of the devotionals every day. We actually ended up calling him one day and he prayed over our team. We said we've no, been reading cool. your book. Um, but that is like what gave us the shot every single day. Like I knew if we were all not connecting ourselves back to why we were doing what we were doing, why we were loving people, what we needed to hear from the Lord every day. And everybody was running tired and oh, sure. we kept going, but it was, it was chaos. And then it just became a system and a rhythm. And then with saying, yes, I saw so many times God show up of a ministry calling me saying, I've got a load of this. I'm going to send it to you. We turned our life center into a warehouse of just mm -hmm. goods. And so when you're, when you're saying yes, and at the same day, you're seeing God fill those needs, or we had a crisis um, account, you know, going from the church. And I mm -hmm. was like, Pastor Todd, I cannot give this money away or I can't spend it before it's being replenished. And so I remember there was one day where I got this crazy, I was like, let's just go buy, you know, they had the senior hour for groceries. And I said, let's go buy groceries for seniors and all of our, at all, from all of our campus. No, from one campus. And we worked it out with Publix to be able to do it. And we went and it ended up costing a little more than I was anticipating. And I was like, I'm going to get in trouble for this one. Like this one's not going <laughs> to, uh, this one, I just spent $10,000 today. This isn't good. And someone called me that day. David Meyer called me that day. And he said, I saw what you did today. I want to pay for you to be able to do that at every single one of your campuses. <laughs> and so we went from doing at one location to 13 and that was, that was probably a pivotal moment where I was like, I cannot outgive God in this season. And I just need to be bold and know that he's going to supply our needs. And if we're doing the ideas and the crazy dreams that he's giving us, um, we, he's not going to leave us out there dry. He's going to fulfill all our needs. And it's like miracle worker season. Like we would listen to that song and um, it would just be every single day, like, Look at this miracle God did. We every day we debrief and this is what happened. And this we we just couldn't believe the doors that God was opening for us and that He was allowing us to be used in that season because we also, you know, there there's so many people hurting. And when you're when you're out pouring out and you're out loving people and praying with people, 
you you're not focused on yourself and you're not focused on what you're going through you're going there this this world is hurting and god is for some reason choosing me to be the one out there giving hope and in this season and so it was just a beautiful season of god continually showing up and me going i i can't give away enough there's still money like we still need to do more so it's pretty exciting I love how Christ Fellowship was so quick to respond to whatever needs were presented to them during the lockdown. And while it might seem easy to dismiss the church's response as easier for them to do because they're bigger, um, the demands and the requests on the church were also bigger. The important thing is that they learned to become a ministry that says yes. We'll be back for more with Becky after this brief message from One Child. Together we believe extreme child poverty has an end. And it starts with hope. Hope is a vision for a better future a way to get there, and the courage to try. And it is built through the church all over the world, coming together as one global community to help children thrive. We create a partnership experience that reflects your heart for the world. Together, we find the point where our mission and vision intersect to address the needs of children living in hard places. Together, we are a community that sees children as solutions, not problems. A community with the courage to go to the hard places. A community that gives so children can thrive. Together, this is us. Your church, a shared vision, celebrating global impact through the local church. For more information, visit onechild.org slash partnership. Christ Fellowship has seen some really powerful new relationships form as they learned how to say yes during the lockdowns. I asked Becky to share a little bit more about those new relationships. Yeah. So like I said, we, throughout that season, we really, um, saw relationships with non-Christian organizations, cities. And that was something that pre-COVID, I would say we had, we had been attempting to do, but it was, there's one city in particular. I remember we went and met with them and we go and, you know, we live in Florida. So we're obviously hurricane season and we're pretty prepared. We worked really hard with Convoy of Hope to prepare to know what to do. And so we met with a particular city and said, Hey, can we do anything for you during hurricane season? We could serve your staff. I could put your shutters up. What could we do? And, uh, we're here as a service basically. And I'll never forget. They were basically like, we don't need you. We're good. (laughs) We have great resources. Um, thank you for coming. And that was like all city leadership. And we walked out, it was me and the campus pastor. And he looked at me and he goes, well, that went great. And I said, you never know the end of the story. You know, I was trying to like pep talk him and myself from being so discouraged. Right. And that, uh, that city now, what I can tell you is there was a hurricane that came. It didn't hit us. 
they, they called me and said, Becky, what you guys wanted to do for us in serving the city staff, we want to go do that for another city because Mm -hmm. we know how hard it is to respond afterwards. Would you partner with us? And so we partnered with them. They took our idea. We, we helped and we went and blessed the city staff. And again, we are who we are. We, we got to share a devotional and a word of encouragement with their city and took up these boxes. Our kids had made um, cards and written all these things. And it was just so sweet. And fast forward through COVID, that's the city that said, we don't want to do a food distribution. We will send our staff to you because you guys are doing it better. We couldn't do it this well. And that's the city that afterwards we've started to do a lot of their, like their Halloween and all of their different city events. We go and we're the volunteers there. We take our food truck. And this year at the Easter event, all we had to do, we, we literally were like hospitality and greeters. That was our job. Oh, so I, was, cool. I was like, this is a dream. We don't have to set You're up. The we don't first have to tear face down. that people are seeing. Yeah. And, we don't yeah. have to pick up trash. Like this is a <laughs> dream. And I talked to the person who heads it up and she said, she said, Becky, I don't ever want to do another city event without Christ fellowship. Wow. You, the, wow. the, the encouragement that you bring to the city, to the staff, to the people that are attending, we can't match that. And of course we know that's the Holy spirit in us. We know that that is our Christian values saying we want to love others. Well, we want to treat others the way that we would expect to be treated all of those Christian values. And they may not know that yet, but they will. And that's the same city that this year at their city council meeting honored us and said, Mm. Christ fellowship has continually done everything they said they would do and more. And they reach out to us, whether we're in need or not, they're calling us to check in. And so that's just, but that's a five-year investment. Um, And then, you know, we have stories of one-month investment with high schools where we helped buy football helmets. I never thought I'd buy football helmets in my life, (laughs) but I'm buying football helmets because the kids weren't safe and they reached out to us. And I said, no, we need the, we need our students to be safe, but can our pastor come and share devotional And so from that one event in May, that led to the following school year, us doing all of their pregame meals, chaplaincy, praying with the boys, inviting them to our men's event. So we actually, the first they came to, we did like that meal packing that gets shipped all over and we invited the team and the coaches mandated that the players come. They said, we are mandating that they come. They need to learn to serve others. Mm -hmm. And a month later we had our men's event and they couldn't mandate that, but over 60 boys decided to come. Wow. And so that's like, I always tell my team, I'm like, you guys, this is amazing, but don't lose sight of sometimes the miracles happen really fast. And sometimes it takes the five years of the city. And so we've just had both. We've had law enforcement that um, we were kind of close to before COVID, but because of COVID and taking our food truck out to their city every week and helping with other sites with food distributions, we became very close to the the law enforcement because Mm. they were with us. And um, that fast forward to Christmas this year, where they're sharing with us three families that are in need Mm. and we go out and we take presents, but they're with us and it ends up like they're praying over the families 
And that's just because they've continually watched us do that. And so now the law enforcement is doing it. And so it's just pretty incredible to see all of these not in traditional ways of doing ministry, but to see how God opened doors through COVID, some really fast, some have taken a long time, some have been really fast, but I just love the opportunity we've had to be with people who um, we wouldn't traditionally think of. And those partnerships, I consistently say, these partnerships we have now with cities, law enforcement schools, they are gonna help us go further, faster, with getting to the people that are really hurting and in need than any other organization could probably do. So that's what we're investing in. That's who we're continuing to continuing to build relationships. I have cities that call me now saying we have staff members hurting. We mm-hmm. we need counseling. We need a pastor for them. We can't, we don't know who to go to. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you got us. We're here. We show up immediately. So it's it's really exciting what God's doing in our region. It's awesome. Obviously, this is something you're really passionate about and you're a great leader, you know, and you've uh, and all of that. But how did you become a missions pastor? What's been your favorite part of being a missions pastor uh, since that happened? So uh, honestly, being a missions pastor was never my dream. I know there's a lot of people <laughs> that would probably say it was their dream and it was their hope. I I actually my dream was really to be a missionary. So I can remember okay. uh I was in grade school and I can remember like coming home from school, a mission, a missionary from somewhere in Africa had spoken to us. And I remember going home to my mom and saying, I'm going to be a missionary. And she's like, okay, okay, whatever. Um, and I always, I always thought I'd land in Africa, but through a series of events ended up being a missionary in Romania, lived there for just over five years and honestly thought I would be there forever. And God brought me home. Um, I loved that experience. I, would never take it back. God brought me home and through a series of events ended up at Christ Fellowship, really just got a job at Christ Fellowship to meet people since I'd moved to Florida. And (laughs) now we're 12 and a half years later and here I am being missions pastor. So obviously God had uh, some different plans for me and for my life than I might've had. Um, But my favorite, favorite part of being a missions pastor is there's, there's a verse in Luke that I I found through COVID and it's, it's really the disciple, you know, Jesus had set the disciples out and they had been performing miracles and doing so many things. And they came back and they were sharing, you know, all the amazing things they'd seen with Jesus. And, and it's Luke 10, 23, 24. And he said, it says he, he, this is the message version. He said, he then turned in a private aside to his disciples and said, Fortunate the eyes that see what you're seeing. There are plenty of prophets and kings who would have given their right arm to see Mm. what you're seeing, but never got so much as a glimpse to hear what you're hearing, but never got so much as a whisper. Mm. And that I feel like has become my life verse goal. Not sure what to call it, but (laughs) um, I feel like being a missions pastor, going through what we went through with COVID, what we're experiencing now. Um, being on the front end of things, I get to see things that others would dream of seeing. And I get to hear about God working in people's lives that others would dream of hearing about. Mm. And so that's my favorite part. Is it hard? Is there, are there a lot of hours? Is it a lot of work? Is it building relationships is never easy. It's time consuming, Mm. but at the end of it, 
the stories that I have and uh, the miracles that I've seen of God opening doors, I I would never take that for granted. And I never want to take it for granted because I know that everybody doesn't get to experience this. And, you know, for some reason that I do not understand, God chose me to be a part of this and to be able to do it. And so that's, I think, also why I always say yes, because in many of those times where we've said yes, we've, we didn't know the miracle on the other side of it. We didn't know that saying yes to painting someone's house was going to help them deal with a past hurt and pain that they've been dealing with just because we were able to paint their house. Um, and so I, I never want to take that for granted. And I always want to be able to just openly say yes to people because I know that God's putting them in a, in our path for a reason. So that's kind of where I'm at. I, again, never, never dreamt of it, but here I am. And so happy that God has chosen me to be a part Mm -hmm. of it. That's awesome. You know, if you could give one piece of advice to a missions pastor who's really wanting to see, or maybe even just, uh, you know, if it's a smaller church and they don't have a missions pastor, it's a senior pastor that's, that's trying to get their church engaged in missions, trying to get them to help, uh, to, to get the congregation to understand uh, the importance of making an impact both locally and globally. What would be that one piece of advice you'd tell them? Um, I, you know, I think the one piece of advice I would share is, um, I've kind of coined this phrase, the ministry of presence mm-hmm. and, you know, talking about maybe not having a missions pastor and it being the senior pastor, or, you know, we are very blessed with our budget. And I know that everybody doesn't have those resources, mm-hmm. but to me, the most valuable thing that I've learned is this ministry of presence and it is just showing up and, Sometimes it is relationship building and it is just being there for people in their time of need. Sometimes it means I'm sitting in the back of a police car talking to two officers for an hour, finding out about their lives and and them opening up about, you know, the divorce they're going through and being able to pray for them. But if we don't show up, if we if we're so busy and I think so many times um, in ministry, we're looking for that touchdown. We're looking for that huge win at the end, but the ministry of presence and of just showing up, sometimes it's only, you only gain a yard. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you only gain two yards, but at the end of the day, you will end up getting that touchdown, but it's showing up time and time and time again and being there for people. And when you get into some of the cities and the law enforcement, when you start working with some of these organizations that are non-Christian, that are not churched people, Mm You get into some mess, really messy things and you hear some things that you're like, I didn't even know this was a possibility, (laughs) Um, but it's showing up and it's showing people that I'm not shocked by this. And I care about you enough as a person that I'm going to continue to show up. I'm going to continue to be here. I went to, for example, the football team, we, me and my team, we went to one of the football games that wasn't us doing anything spiritual necessarily. That wasn't us. You know, we're not praying at the beginning of the game, but the difference that that made the next time we did the dinner, because they were like, Mm. oh, they're more invested in me than just showing up and doing what, what, what they think makes them feel good. It's no, they're, we're, they're going up and watching me do that play. And we were able to talk to them. And so it's really just ministry of showing up and being present with people um, is more important than I think we place value on. I think we place value on having that great story at the end, but sometimes to get to the great story, 
you've got to show up 50 times and then you get to that story. And so um, that that's really my ministry advice for anyone in ministry. That's not missions pastor. That is, we, we have to show up for people. We have to care about people, not for what they can do for us, not for the volunteer hour that they can give us, but we have to care about people individually and personally. And when we do, that's when we're going to see lives changed. Becky's passion for reaching the community is infectious. She shared some great advice in this episode. Here are three things that really stood out to me from our conversation. First, find areas of need where your church can make a difference and then be consistent. It's so much more effective to build relationships with the same people over and over again than it is to go an inch deep and a mile wide. Second, become a ministry that says yes. The needs in our communities and around the world are many. And when we learn to say yes to the needs that God brings our way, God is faithful to meet our needs as well. And then finally, one of the most important things an outreach ministry can do to create lasting impact is to commit to being a ministry of presence. Be at the community events and the football games, whatever you can think of, you know your context better than anyone. The key is just finding out where the people in your community are, be there with them, and meet needs. I want to thank Becky for joining me on this episode of the Missions Pastor Podcast. If you want to learn more about Christ Fellowship, go to ChristFellowship.Church. And thank you for listening to the Missions Pastor Podcast. This show is presented by One Child. We are a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. To learn more about how your church can partner with One Child to bring hope to hard places, go to onechild.org. Thank you.